Thanks for joining us for the Covenant Living Broadcast with Pastor John Butler of Covenant Life Church, located at 130 Atlantic Avenue in Bremen, Georgia. On today's broadcast, Ryan Rogers speaks from the subject of peace, patience, and opportunity. And now here is today's broadcast. It's so good to see all of you here this morning. Um, you know, it's kind of like I told the first service. Um, it's This is the first time I've ever preached at Covenant Life as a visitor, right? So, um, but it's good coming back to familiar faces. Um, it's it's kind of like, uh, you know, when you, when you live at home and you, you get married and you move out and you get your own place and you, you got that home for a while, but then when you go back to mom and dad's house, it just still feels like home, right? It's just comfortable. You've been there before. You know where everything's at. You can make yourself at home, right? And that's what it feels like. Amen? It's good to see some new faces. Um, praise God. That means God is working and doing things, and good to see that you guys are growing. And I know ministry's going forth like it always has. Um, Pastor John, it's kind of like I told Josh earlier, um, he uh, texted me. He said, look, man, I have asked everybody I know, and I can't find anybody else to preach. Can you please fill in for me? <laughs> no, that's not true. Um, now, he may have. I don't know. Um, but he didn't tell me that. But uh, thankful that he did ask, and uh, glad to be back with y'all. And uh, how many of you are excited about what God is doing, not only here at Covenant Life, but I know in your individual lives and your families and, and ministries and everything that you're doing, are you excited about what God has going on? Amen? Amen? I'm excited about the word that he has for us this morning. I've entitled this message, Peace, Patience, and Opportunity. And so I want to talk about peace and I want to talk about patience, and I want to talk about how when those two things come together, opportunities are created. Amen? Opportunities for great things. So if you want to turn with me in your Bibles to Philippians chapter 4, Philippians chapter 4, we're going to look at verses uh, 6 and 7. I'm going to be reading from the NIV, and uh, I'm confident they'll, they'll have them on the screens um, <clears throat> guys, don't be afraid. I, I know Pastor John um, tells you all this stuff from time to time, but um, don't hesitate to interact. Give me an amen, a shout out, clap, whatever. Preach it. Amen. Participate with me this morning. Amen. amen. Looking at um, Philippians chapter 4 in verses 6 and 7, it says, do not be anxious about anything. Now there's a comma there, and that comma means to pause, right? I want you to take a minute and think about that. Do not be anxious about anything. Don't be anxious about the doctor report. Don't be anxious about that bill that's past due. Don't be anxious about that relationship that you're not sure about what's going on. He says, do not be anxious about anything. But in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And verse 7 is where I really want to focus here today. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding. All understanding. You, you and your physical mind are not even capable of comprehending the kind of peace that God can provide for you on the inside. Amen? It will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Let's go to him in prayer. Father, I thank you this morning. God, you are great. You're mighty, Father. You're worthy of all that we can give you, Lord. Father, the things that we're able to offer in word, and, 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 and they're, they're just not able to encompass who you are and what you do for us, Lord. Anything that we can offer would fall short, God. But I ask you this morning to take what we have, Lord, as we've, as we've done praise and worship and we've lifted you up and tried our best to glorify you and to honor you, Lord. I ask you to be in this place this morning to speak, Father. 
Lord, I ask you to take away every word and thought of my own, God. For it's not my message that I want to preach this morning, but it's your word, Father. What I believe you have for these people in this hour today, Father. It's by no accident that we're all gathered here together in this place, Father. I pray, God, that every physical and spiritual ear be open to hear. And, God, that we be able to receive your word this morning, that it would fall in the fertile soil of our heart, Lord. And, God, as it's watered and in due time, Lord, it would grow and that it would bear much fruit, Father. Teach us this morning through your word, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's dive right in here, and I want to <clears throat> start by talking about peace. And I want to ask you a question, and I want you to take a moment and think about the answer to this question. You don't have to say it out loud, but not only in this next couple of moments, but as we go out or go through this message, I want you to keep this thought in your mind and the answers to some of these questions and, and what they mean to you. But what does the word peace mean to you? When you think about the definition of peace, what does that really mean to you and how it relates to you and in your circumstances and in your life? Is peace a feeling that's dictated by your circumstances? Is your peace always seem to be dependent on those things that are happening around you? Does peace only exist in your happiest moments? Those times when your emotions are, are, are happy and you're, and you're well, and is that the only time that you can sense any type of peace? Is your peace dictated by external surroundings? Do, do things around you have to be all in, in, in harmony and everything just going okay and everything's right and the, the, the spouse is acting good and the children are acting good and, and all that good stuff? Is that the only time that you seem to experience peace? It's completely possible for us to experience complete peace. And what I mean by that is peace in our body and our mind and in our spirit. You know, the word anxiety, I've heard that word probably more in the last few years than I've heard in my entire life. Anxiety is an epidemic in our country. Anxiety has crippled so many people nowadays. Um, I, I've never seen anything like it. And I assure you, not, not only anxiety, but depression and all these type of things, this is not how God intended for us to live. He did not intend for us to live this way. He intended for us to have life and to have it more abundantly. And that comes along with having a peace on the inside. Not a peace that's dictated by our surroundings, but a true inner peace inside. I want to ask you guys a question just to, to kind of show and I'll, I'll, I'll word it so that you don't have to feel like you're telling on yourself. But I want you to raise your hand if you yourself struggle with anxiety or you know someone close to you who struggles with anxiety. Raise your hand. Wow. Look around, people. Look around. You're not alone. You're not by yourself. This is something that a lot of people struggle with, but God's intention is for you to know peace, for you to know a peace that transcends all understanding, something that we're not able to even comprehend. There's only one source that can provide this kind of peace, and that's God. Throughout the Bible, language is stretched and is distinguished, excuse me, to distinguish God's true peace from temporary peace. See, that, that external stuff that gives you peace, that's just temporary. I'm, I'm reminded of a, any of you guys watch any of the Medea movies, right? Y'all didn't think y'all hear about a Medea movie this morning, did you? But there's a funny scene. Um, I don't remember which one it's from, but they're, they're in the kitchen. Medea's there, and she's talking with an a elderly lady, and they're, the lady's talking about the Bible and the Word and, and what God says, and she says, you know, the word says, peace, be still. She says, that's what he says. And Medea said, yeah, it keeps me a piece of steel. <laughs> she pulls her gun out of the drawer, right? Now that might be your idea of peace, right? 
I got this, I got this gun, this protection for me, so to speak. And that's what offers me peace when I lay my head down at night. That peace is temporary and it's not real. It's not tangible. Amen. Jesus carefully distinguished his peace from the world's peace. He made a point to show that there's a difference. And Paul talks about it in that scripture that it surpasses all understanding. Peter in his, in his epistle, excuse me, offered up what he called multiplied peace to the early Christians. But in each case, it's the same. There's an effort here to set aside or, or excuse me, to, to set a difference between the divine peace that, that he can offer and, and separate it above and beyond what we know here as temporary peace. It's something different. Something that men and women, we can't produce it on our own. The Bible is clear. We can't make peace, but we are able to receive peace. There's nothing that we can do that can create the kind of peace that God offers, but we can receive it. And it's there for you. God's peace is superlative. It's excellent. It's the greatest. It's matchless. It's peerless. It's supreme. It's unparalleled. It's unrivaled. It's unsurpassed by anything that we know. And it's important that we understand this, the nature of his peace. And we can wrap it up in one sentence. The peace of God is his unrivaled authority. There's peace in knowing that you serve a God whose authority is unrivaled. It's unmatched. Nothing is equal. Nothing can compare. He has the authority over everything, and that's the God that we serve. He's bigger than that bad report. He's bigger than that bill you owe. He's bigger than that situation you're facing. He's bigger than that job you're in. Amen? Amen. Now, y'all promise. Well, I shouldn't say y'all promise me. Y'all got to give me some amens this morning, all right? Y'all wake up, get y'all a shot of energy drink or something. He's the creator. He's the sustainer. He's the redeemer of the universe, of everything. He's omniscient. He's knowing. He knows everything from the beginning to the end. He's already seen the story. See, he doesn't operate in, in the realm of time like we do. He doesn't operate off, it's 3 o'clock, it's 3.30, it's June 30th. That's not the time. He doesn't operate in that. He can see everything from here to here. The problem is we're right in here somewhere and this is the only place we can see. We can't see past this moment. We can't see past this decision. We can hope and we use knowledge and things to help us in this and we, we think we know what might happen. God already knows and he's already seen what's going to happen in the end. The trust in that and the knowledge in that and the faith in that is what will begin to provide peace for you. Knowing that I can't determine it. I can't make it happen. God's in control. He's omnipresent. He's everywhere. And yet he's present to those of us who we allow him to live in our lives. Amen. He's right here. The Bible says he sticks closer than a brother. He's here. No matter if you think you can still feel him or I can't see him and I'm wondering, I'm not, I'm not even sure if he's around anymore. He's here. He's right here. He hasn't left. All you got to do is say his name. You don't have to scream it. You don't have to yell it. Jesus. That's all you got to do. All you got to do is say his name and he's right there. He hasn't left you. Bible says he'll never leave us and never forsake us. Amen. Are you excited about that promise? Wow, the, the creator of the universe, this God who's omnipresent, this God who's omniscient, who knows everything, well, he has promised to stick closer than a brother. That's, that's mind-blowing. There's unity of purpose in the peace of God. The oneness that's shared by the Trinity, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. These three persons that we know as the Godhead, there's complete unity. There's purpose in that. We don't, the, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit don't 
sit in heaven and, and argue and bicker about what needs to be done. They don't disagree about where they need to go or what they need to do or what needs to be accomplished. They're together. They're in unity. They're in harmony. They're together. There's peace about that. There's peace about that unity, that togetherness, that oneness. There's no panic in heaven. God didn't panic when you got that bad report. God didn't panic when that unexpected bill showed up in the mail. He, he wasn't caught off guard. But see, we start, we start wigging out. Oh, what am I going to do? What's going to happen? All the while, God's in control. Nothing caught him by surprise. This is what we mean when we talk about the peace of God. For us, it means accepting that complete control. Accepting that complete control from the one who's in control. See, we, we feel like that we're in control and we want to be in control and we want to dictate situations and we want to think that, that we're guiding this ship, but in actuality, we're not. And the more that we fight against that, and the more that we try to take control of our lives and dictate what's coming next and where we need to go and what we need to do, and the harder we fight, the harder life gets. When it's all about surrender. It's all about allowing him control, letting him have control, allow God whatever you have for me. Whatever you see fit, Lord. If this is where you want me today, this is where I'm going. If this is what you have for me today, this is what I'll do. Allowing him control. Fighting against it only makes it worse. It's kind of like, you know, when you get out in the ocean and you get these currents and these riptides, the more you fight against it, you just get tired and you get beat down and eventually it just takes you out. You can't win that battle. There's no real place or excuse me, there's no real peace without a firm conviction of the sovereignty of God, of knowing who He is and knowing His place and that unrivaled authority that only He has. We have to have our minds stayed and focused on God. One Hebrew word for mind is yeser. And I hope I'm pronouncing that right, but it's Y-E-S-E-R. And it means the constitution or tendency of the mind, what we might call a frame of mind or a mindset. It's a, a total way of looking at things, basically. And another way of putting it might be to focus our attention on something. Or maybe what we have um, our minds on most of the time, right? I don't, my phone's down there, but isn't that where most of our minds are most of the time? What's on Facebook? What's on Instagram? What's happening over here? Fox News, political stuff. This is, these, this is where our mind's consumed. How much of our day is spent scrolling? Mindless, mind-numbingly scrolling. Not even sure what we're looking for. We're just looking. Something to consume our time. Something to occupy our mind. When all the while our mind needs to be focused on Him and His purpose and what He has. Yes, or corresponds closely to a Greek word in the New Testament, which is phronite. It's used in Philippians 2 and, and uh, verse 5. It says, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. How many of you knew we're actually supposed to have the mind of Christ? This is the way God intended it, for us to have the mind of Christ. Christ woke up every day and he was about his father's business. He was about furthering the kingdom. He was about what, what ministry is there to do? What should I be doing to be about the father's business today? God, what is it you have for me to do today? Guys, I'm not just preaching to you, I'm preaching to myself. These are, these are the things that we lack 
We're, we're too focused on everything else going on around us. The world consumes our thoughts. These, these, these non-important little things that, that just cloud our mind continuously. Constantly worried about who's doing what and where they're doing it on social media or whatever. Susie Q's birthday party, got to see her pictures. You know, some, some of us are guilty. We, <laughs> if y'all do this, I'm so sorry. I don't mean to offend you. But the ones that get me are, I'm about to sit down and eat. So let me snap a picture of my food and post it on Facebook because everybody wants to know what I'm eating. Really? Really? And look, I'm making light, but these are the little things that we're, we're more concerned about. And look, I'm not telling you that all these things are bad. It's all about where they're prioritized in your life. If these things are what consume you 24 hours a day, if they're what you wake up thinking about, our minds are in the wrong place. And they're causing us to not have the peace of God in our life. Because we're focused in the wrong place. We're worried about the wrong things. But Philippians 2 and 5 says, Let this mind be in you which is also in Christ Jesus. Accurately translated it means let this be your attitude. Let this be your attitude. As a noun, that word yes here frequently refers to that which is formed. Like thoughts, purposes, intentions. This means that God's peace, excuse me, is given to those whose minds are intentionally focused on Him. So in other words, unless we're intentionally focused on Him, we're not going to experience the peace of God. It's not going to happen by accident. You are not just going to stumble into the peace of God. I'm not going to be able to have you come up to the altar and me lay hands on you and you just, you got the peace of God. Go child and be, be peaceful. I don't know if that sounds holier, but that's, that's not going to happen. It's a daily walk. It's a mindset. It's a frame of mind. Getting up every day, focused, intentions. What are your goals for today? As we begin each day, it should start with, Lord, I belong to you. I'm yours. I've been called out of this world to glorify you, to experience your love and forgiveness, to know peace in spite of what's going on around me. See, we spend so much time focusing on these things that are causing us problems that now they've consumed us and all we can see is the problem. And we think about it and we think about it and we focus on it and we think about it and we're telling everybody about it and we're focused and we're thinking and we're thinking and next thing you know we're all tore up over something that in the end God's going to work it out and won't be nothing. Won't even be a big deal. You'll get past it and think, oh man, I was all worried about that. Look how God ended up working that out. Troubles are going to come. I'm not standing up here this morning to tell you that if you get up every morning and you focus your attention on Him and you're about God's business, that trouble's never going to come your way. Not what I said, that's not what He said. Right. Jesus assured us trouble will come. Problem is, are you able to walk through that trouble or that storm just like the song said earlier and be at peace? You know, they were out on the boat with Jesus and the storm came up and man, they are losing it. And they're mad at Jesus. He don't even care if we perish. Dude's down there taking a nap. And Jesus is bum-fuzzled. Gets up, quiets the waves, and he rebukes them for their unbelief. Like, what are y'all thinking? What's the problem? I control it all. And they marvel, even the wind and the waves obey him. That's right. <laughs> and that's so, not only was it true for them, but it's true for you today. It all obeys him at his voice. 
Amen? Things are going to come. Things are going to happen. Troubles are going to come. There's going to be a bill that's past due. There's going to be a doctor's report that might not be good one day. Jesus is above all that. He's above all that. He's in control. He offers a peace that goes beyond all understanding. No doctor can give you this peace. No family member can give you this peace. I can't give you this peace. Only he can. And he freely gives to those who are ready to receive it and to walk in it. You don't have to become a victim of people and circumstances. Right? There's some people in your life who you just don't like. Amen? Now I know all y'all are Christians and y'all don't want to talk about that. But the Lord, the Lord um, said that we have to love everybody but it don't, I'm not sure it says in there we got to like everybody. Y'all, I don't know if it's in there or not. If it did, y'all don't tell me about it. <laughs> but I'm only kidding. But you're going to encounter people that you don't get along with. You're going to encounter people that you don't like. It's called life. You're going to work with them. You're going to have times where you have to interact with them. And that's part of life. But they don't have to dictate your peace. And you allowing them that control is mind-boggling. Why would you allow somebody to have control over your peace? Why would we want to give somebody that kind of control over our life, our, our happiness, our joy? The one thing that no one can take from you is your ability to pray without ceasing. Now, this doesn't mean that you have to fall down in aisle five of Kroger and lay prostrate before the Lord, okay? Because you'll get looked at and you'll get pointed at and they'll be wanting to escort you out. <laughs> All right? But to yourself, quietly, as you're going about your day, as you're approaching situations that you know are going to be difficult, pray. Be mindful. You've got a, a coworker maybe, and, and you guys have to work together on some project, whatever it may be, and you know, man, I do not like them. We don't get along. I don't like them. They don't like me. Oh, this is going to be trouble. I promise you, start approaching that situation and start welcoming the Holy Spirit in. Father, guide my thoughts, guide my words. Be with me in this situation. Lord, you know me and this person don't work well together, but God, I'm, I'm believing, Lord, you'll help. You'll be there. Guide my tongue. Give me peace. Watch how it'll change. Watch how the situation will change when you invite him in and allow him to be Lord of that situation. But it takes being mindful, and it takes having a mindset of that and to be intentional. Those of you that's heard me preach before have heard me say, I don't know how many times, nothing happens in your life without a made-up mind. You're not going to accomplish anything by accident. Nothing. You can fall down by accident. That's about it. You're not going to accomplish great things in life without a made-up mind. And understanding and knowing this peace, it comes intentionally. You're not just going to wake up and be zapped with it, and there you go. It's a daily walk. The storms of life, they may be raging around you. There may be all kinds of situations going on around you. But inside, there can be a calm about you. You know, you see some people who, man, it just seems like life has kicked them up one side and down the other. I mean, they can't catch a break. Either something's going on with somebody or they, they, the car's always tore up or this and that. But there can still be a calm on the inside because I've got the peace of God that goes beyond all understanding. And these circumstances around me, they don't affect me. They don't dictate me. They don't dictate my feelings. He is the one who dictates, right? He's the one who's in control. You are able to claim peace 
even in the worst of situations, no matter what they may be, you can claim the peace of God. We need to also remember that peace and praise go hand in hand. There's a renewed, a fresh gift of peace in our gratitude, in our thankfulness. Think about God's beauty in the, in the signature of, in His beauty, excuse me, of the natural world. And the way God works out solutions to our different needs. And the gift of people that He uses in our lives to help us out. Open doors of opportunity, all these things that He sets before you. Anybody ever had somebody help them out? Anybody ever said, hey man, I, I know you're struggling. Here, here's a hundred bucks. Here, go take your family out. Put some gas in your car. Anybody ever been that help? Right? Jesus challenged his disciples and he challenges us to seek the kingdom of God first. See, these things that you, you hear me talk about, none of them are really bad in themselves, and it's the fact that we prioritize them wrong. We're consumed with all these other things, and then we're trying to squeeze God in somewhere in an opening, a little sliver of time or a little sliver of whatever. We can slide God in there and think all these other things are going to fall into place. When we've got to prioritize him first and then watch the dominoes fall. Then watch how things fall into place. Look, we're all guilty. I told you earlier, I'm not just preaching. I'm preaching to myself. This is a word for me too. We got to focus and be intentional if we want to experience the peace of God. The Bible says in Matthew 6 and 33... Uh, I came across this um, New English Version translation. I like the way it, it translates this verse. It says, set your mind on God's kingdom above everything else. Now, if you study this out in the, in the Greek, that word everything, it actually means everything. Now, I won't charge you for that. It means everything. Your spouse, your children, everything. You've got to put him above everything. He's most important. Let's be real with ourselves for just a moment. Do we, do we really trust Jesus? Trusting Jesus is, is, is a major factor as well in finding this peace in our life. Do we really trust him in situations in our life? How often can we say that we really trust in him? Sometimes I wonder if we've got more faith and trust in the things around us in our everyday life than we do in him. I used the example earlier of, you know, you get up every morning, first thing you're going to do is probably brush your teeth. You're going to turn the water on, right? Do you take time before you turn the water on to think, I hope the water comes out. Not, not, not sure. You don't do that, right? You just flip the water supposed to come out. That's just the way it is. Um, was uh, talking to um, Stephanie back here earlier. She brought up a good example. Um, people that fly. Now, I don't fly. I don't like heights. <laughs> but for those people who do fly, right, you show up to the airport. You just get on the plane and go, right? Did you meet the pilot before the flight left? Anybody? I'm curious. Do you ask to meet the pilot? Don't know him or her, never seen him before. You don't even know if they got a license to fly the plane. Right? But you got on the plane, happy as can be, and took off, right? Never thought about it. Didn't think one thing about it. You had more faith in that pilot getting you there than sometimes we do in Jesus. We go to the doctor, right? Got complete faith. Doctors is an actual doctor. We, we believe that without even checking credentials, asking around, right? But we take faith in these things that are every day, but yet we have a hard time trusting Jesus. 
and we can trust him for other people's miracles or for other people's things going on in his life. But when it comes to us, it's like, well, I don't know if he'll do it for me. But when you're talking to someone else, you oh yeah, you just trust in Jesus. He'll do it for you. He'll take care of that. But we don't, we don't seem to feel that way about our own self. We got to lean on him. We got to give control to the one who's in control already. He's in control. That's where peace will come from. The peace of God will lead you to experience patience. I'm not, I don't really believe it's possible to experience patience without having true peace. They work hand in hand. They go together. And I want to look at patience here in looking at the story of Joseph. And I'm not going to go through every detail, but we're going to go through and kind of hit the high points. And look at how Joseph, you know, the, the story of Joseph in the Bible doesn't really highlight peace or, or, or what that, that means in this situation. But when you see everything that Joseph went through and the patience that he exhibited, there's no doubt he had the peace of God. There's no doubt because you could not endure, you could not go through what Joseph went through and, ex and not have the peace of God. But I know this is a, a common story. Most of you um, who've been around the church anytime know the story of Joseph. Um, he was a son of Jacob and um, Joseph was, he was the favorite. He was the youngest and uh, we know he was the favorite because it tells us in the Bible that he was the favorite and it was shown that he was the favorite. Didn't even try to hide it. Um, all he had, he had 11 brothers. Everybody knew it. Everybody knew Joseph was spoiled. He got what he wanted. He was the favorite. Um, dad bought him this beautiful coat, had many colors in it. Joseph was not very well liked by his brothers because he was the favorite. Any of you got siblings and you got that one who typically, I guess it's the, I grew up an only child, but typically it's the small one, the littlest one, because by then parents are like, whatever, <laughs> we, ain't, we ain't fighting with this one no more. Just let them have it. Just let them do it, whatever. So they tend to be sometimes, I guess, the least liked amongst the siblings. Um, but Joseph didn't help his situation because not only did he seemed to know he was the favorite. Um, he would also be a little tattletale. And when the older brothers were out tending the sheep and stuff, he'd come back and tattle on them and tell dad stuff they had did that they shouldn't have done. So to add insult, Joseph has a dream at about the age of 17. And in this dream, they, um, his brothers have these uh, sheaves of wheat and he has a sheaf. And in the dream, they're all bowing down to his sheaf and so not only does he go and tell them about the dream, he interprets the dream. And he's like, y'all are going to bow down to me one day. Brothers are like, I don't think so. So now they really don't like Joseph. So they start to plot to just kill him. We're just going to get rid of him, tired of him, um, tired of dealing with him. Um, so the brothers plot to kill him on this trip that they're going on, but Reuben, one of his brothers, is like, no, let's don't do that. He has, wants to show mercy on him. Like, we don't need to kill him. We'll just basically throw him in one of these cisterns, a pit. And so they decide they're going to throw him in a pit. They end up selling him to some Midianites on this journey. And uh, the Midianites turn around and, and sell him to some Ishmaelite, uh, this caravan that's headed out to Egypt. So in the meantime, they take this coat that Joseph had of many colors and decide they're going to convince their dad that an, an animal killed him. So they dip the coat in blood, take it back to their dad. They're like, I don't know, animal killed him, ate him up. He's gone, whatever, right? So family thinks, or at least the dad and all, they think Joseph's gone. So he uh, ends up, after he's sold into this Ishmaelite caravan, he ends up as a slave um, for a guy named Potiphar. Um, so he's in Potiphar's house. He's a slave there for some time. During this time, uh, Joseph becomes the focus of attention for Potiphar's wife. Um, she makes some passes at him. She really likes him. Um, <clears throat> she tries a couple of times to sleep with him, ends up actually 
uh, ripping his clothes off as he's trying to run away from her. Um, she goes and accuses him of rape. Obviously, Potiphar's going to believe his wife. So um, even though Joseph is innocent, now he gets thrown into prison. So let's stop right there for just a second. Joseph had a dream that something great was going to take place and his brothers were going to end up bowing down to him, right? <laughs> Soon after this dream, now he has been, um, had an attempted murder on his life by his brothers. They've sold him into slavery. He goes and lives with this guy named Potiphar who he's a slave of and now Potiphar's wife has accused him of rape and now he's been thrown in prison. Now, I know most of you, I'm pretty sure this has not happened to anybody I know in here. But to this point, we don't see Joseph complaining. We don't see him um, having a, you know, going on about his situation. He's down in the dumps. Woe is me. Now, I'm sure Joseph had some, he had some thoughts along the way. Man, what is happening? God, you gave me this dream. There's obviously something great supposed to happen. And I, Man, they, I, they tried to kill me. I was made a slave. Now I'm in prison. Right? Anybody would have a right to be upset, right? What's going on, God? What have you done? What, what is happening here? Joseph hasn't done a thing, right? Joseph didn't do anything to deserve to be killed. He didn't do anything to be deserved to be sold into slavery. He didn't do anything to Potiphar's wife, but yet he's in prison for rape. Now, if Joseph had a reason to be impatient or not have the peace of God, if, if he didn't have one, nobody does. Right? He has faced some trials and some tribulations along the way here, but Joseph remains steadfast. And he knows that God has got a plan for him. So despite all of this, we know God is still with Joseph, right? Despite all of your situations, despite all the things that you face, despite your circumstances, I assure you this morning, God is still with you. It may not always feel like he's right there with you. God is with you. He has not left you. He's not turned his back on you. He has not walked away from you. He's not in the walking away business. You might try to walk away from him, but God will not walk away from you. You remain faithful and focused on him. God will stick closer than a brother. Two other guys now in this prison who happen to be uh, Pharaoh's former butler and uh, also a former baker. Um, both of them have dreams now. And remember, Joseph is able to interpret dreams. This is a skill that he has. So he puts those skills to use interprets the dream for them and predicts that the butler is going to be exonerated in three days and he's going to be restored back to Pharaoh's service. And unfortunately for the baker, his dream was that he's going to be put to death. Joseph's interpretations come true, so now his reputation is really starting to grow about, hey, this guy can interpret dreams. So he asked the butler, since the butler's being restored back to Pharaoh, he asked him, hey man, don't forget about me now. Remember me when you get back to, you know, to Pharaoh. But Butler doesn't hold up his end of the, end of the bargain, um, doesn't fulfill his promise until Pharaoh himself actually has a series of dreams a few years later. Now, Joseph... Uh, Pharaoh is, is told finally about Joseph, about how can he interpret these dreams. So they bring Joseph up to interpret the, the dreams that Pharaoh had. One in which the seven sickly cows consume seven healthy cows. And a parallel dream in which sickly ears of corn devour healthy ears of corn. So Joseph, he, he comes and he tells Pharaoh, hey, these seven years are coming and there's going to be great abundance all throughout the land. Going to be a great time of surplus. But then after that, there's going to be seven years and a famine's going to come. So he's basically warning him, hey, prepare. Store up in these seven years. Be prepared for this famine. So Joseph does this great thing, saves Egypt basically 
And now Pharaoh has um, made Joseph his second in command. Joseph is now 30 years old. So 13 years have passed since that dream that he had. 13 years. Now I'm not sure in our instant gratification lie a world that we live in today that we would make it 13 days waiting on God's promise. Amen. Let's just be real. God showed us a dream, showed us a vision of what he had for us. Would we make it 13 years before this thing came to pass? We'd have gave up on God a long time ago. Man, I, I done been in prison. I've been a slave. I've been wrongly accused. It ain't going to happen, man. God just, God let me down. He ain't going to do it. I'm going to quit that God stuff. I ain't going to church no more. They can forget it, man. Right? But Joseph was patient. He was patient. And he exhibited the peace of God through all of this. And lasted these 13 years. And now he's become second in command to Pharaoh. Pretty high esteem, right? So the famine that Joseph predicted ultimately brings his brothers to Egypt. You're about to see the fruition of that dream come to pass from when he was 17. And with no other options, and they hear about this excess grain in this neighboring country, so they make a series of trips down to Egypt because of this. And when, uh, when he realizes, when Joseph realizes that it's his brothers at first, He's trying to cause to, to conceal himself. He doesn't want them exactly to know who he is to kind of test them out. Um, but then finally, he reveals to one of his brothers who he is. And that dream ends up coming to fruition. You know, um, in, this, in this world we live of, of instant gratification, everything's at our fingertips. If we want to know something, it's right there at our phone. Um, you know, whatever we need or want for the most part is within minutes of getting, right? We, we want knowledge. We, get, we got a phone right there. We, you, you can talk to my kids. Anytime there's a question or something comes up, search it up, search it up, search it up, <laughs> right? We just go to Google and we figure it out. But I can tell you the best things in life and the most gratifying things in life and the things that we need in life don't come instantaneously. All right? They don't come in a moment. When you, when you want a good meal, right, you don't cook a good meal in the microwave, do you? When you want a good meal, you're going you to probably go to grandmama's house, right? How many, how many people's grandmamas cook in the microwave? Uh-oh. <laughs> we're, we're probably not going to go to your grandmama's house. Um, grandmama cooks on the stove, right? And it takes some time. But when it gets done, man, it's time to eat. Now, if I fix you something in the microwave, eh, you might eat it okay, and it'll... Fill that empty spot for a minute, but it wasn't much to talk about, right? You can't have anything worth having in life without it taking some time and being patient. And as we kind of bring this thing full circle, you guys can come up. Exhibiting this peace and exhibiting this patience will open opportunities for you. Whether it be um, in relationships or a job or, or ministry, kingdom work, whatever it is that God has for you, it's going to take some patience. You know, maybe there's this, this one job that you've been wanting, man, and you've, you've battled and you've been working at some other places and you're like, man, I, but see, you've been trying to do it on your own. You've been trying to fight that battle on your own and you've been trying to take things into your own hands and God can't do what he wants to do because you won't let go. See, now God is in control and he's in control of everything, but the Holy Spirit, he's also a perfect gentleman. And if you want that thing and you're willing to kick against, he's, he's going to let you have that thing. Even to your destruction if that's what it takes. 
because he's not going to force himself on you. He wants you to surrender. He wants you to give it up. He wants you to lay it down. When Jesus hung on that cross, he could have easily just stepped down and said, I don't deserve this. I shouldn't have been beaten. I shouldn't have been mocked. I shouldn't have been ridiculed. But he laid it down. He surrendered it. He gave it up on his own for us so that we could know that eternal life and that we could experience true peace. I'm telling you, there's a, you know, we, we just like we talked about earlier, there is a temporary peace that you can experience, but it's, it's only for a moment. The peace that I'm talking about today, it's not going to matter what's happening in your life. It's not going to matter who's coming against you. It's not going to matter what situation you're in. You can still know a peace that goes beyond all understanding. That even you yourself may wonder, wow, I don't know why, but I, am, I know all this stuff's happening, but man, I, I'm at complete peace. I'm not disturbed by this. I'm not bothered by it because I know God is in control. Stand with me if you would. This is, this is not one of those messages where we can kind of come down and, you know, pray specifically for you to receive this thing. I do want to open the altars up for those of you who need prayer. Um, but, but this peace and this patience. We pray that you have been blessed and inspired by today's Covenant Living broadcast. To find out more information about our ministry, just visit our website at www.covenantlifewestga.org. You can find this video there on our homepage. Just click the YouTube button and make sure you subscribe to our YouTube channel. And give us a call at 770-537-3747. That's 770-537-3747. At Covenant Life, our mission is to go and make disciples by being real, relational, and reaching. Be sure to join us next week for more Covenant Living with Pastor John Butler.